Hey now. Man, it's cold. Roads are slick. Welcome to the Sam Dean Podcast, where we talk about life uncensored. Today on the show, one of my favorite teachers of all time, good friend of mine, Truman Oakley. I'm excited for today's show. It's Friday, y'all. Podcast is sponsored by Alicia Munden and Justin Munden with Dash Health and Wellness. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook. They specialize in weight loss and they're great coaches. And Alicia does CrossFit and Justin runs. We're also sponsored by Van Zant Coffee. Try our new roast from Mexico, Durango. It's good, it's light, heavy, heavy caffeine. I love it. It's our latest roast, Durango. Order it at VanZantCoffee.com. Thank you guys for listening to the show. We've got almost 3,000 views or listens, and we're going to give Joe Rogan a run for his money. Here's Truman Oakley. Thank you, guys. All right. Truman Oakley, welcome, sir. Thanks. It's uh, glad to be here. Honored that you would ask me and looking forward to it. Well, um fondest memory of you other than when we've become friends later in life is uh every so truman oakley was my at one point assistant principal i think and but mainly a science i know you from being a science teacher right in middle school in middle school and halloween you put on a halloween show <laughs> yeah i remember that and uh count count ocula count ocula <laughs> and you would come at, we'd come in there and sit down in the room it was so cool because the room was dark and you had some dry ice or something and you had smoke in there and we'd come in and you would put on a science kind of a creepy haunted science show and uh it was amazing as a kid and it was super fun and I hope you're still kind of doing that. When's the last time you've done that? Well, probably the last time I actually did that was uh, was back in those days at Canton Junior High. I've I've had some ideas along those lines since then. Uh, of course, I've just been back in the classroom. This is my third year back, and uh, of course, this year you know you can't do anything like that this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I have a lot of ideas for that. And uh, but actually, last time I did that was was then. <laughs> Uh, that was at that time was it Mr. Callahan was the principal yes Max Callahan who I'm going to have him on the podcast soon hopefully yeah he needs to do this he you know you're up there you know Mr. Young Max Callahan though also just nice guys uh, always had my back always very encouraging also gave me licks I think you gave me licks at some point, I might have. Uh, do you re- do you remember giving me licks or not? I, I don't, not off the top of my head, but uh, you, you forget a lot of that over time. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got to West Point, I was talk- telling somebody, and I was like, "Yeah," and I had to get licks. And they said, "You had to get what?" I said, "Licks." Some paddled my my bottom, and they said, "You got to be kidding me!" You. You let a grown man hit you with a paddle on the butt. And I was like, yeah, that's what we, y'all don't, y'all didn't do that? It's like, no, we don't do that. And, uh, but I remember, you know, in <laughs> Canton, 
you were kind of, uh, uh, and I won't say it's like a sissy or something, if you didn't get your detention burned off by licks, you know, and um, I don't know, I it hurt. It did. It sure. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's one of those things. People just don't understand. They, they think of it as abuse, mm-hmm. and, it, and it has been abused by many people in many circles, and I got to the point in my career where I just didn't do it anymore. Yeah. But honestly, kids that I had to give, especially little kids, when I was an elementary principal, mm-hmm. when you talk to them about what they did uh, and you let them know this is what's going to happen and why it's going to happen, and when it was over, I mean, they hugged you, they cried on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People can't imagine how that's a positive experience, but it really was. Yeah. And and in my life it was. I, I got licks at school i got licks from my dad i never thought in a million years anybody was mistreating me right Uh, i always knew i'm getting the consequences for what i did it's fair i would always talk to kids about do you do you think this is fair you know right if they didn't we would talk through it you know but and kids are missing that and communication yes just that and and some of those relationships i had with kids that I gave more licks to than I can count are some of the best relationships right. I ever had with kids, you know, and people, it, people will never understand that mindset or a lot of people never will. I got, you know, licks from both my mom and dad. And then, you know, when I give George, when he really messes up, we, you know, we do it. It's not fun, but it serves a purpose, I think. And it, it you know, it, it stings and it, it physical, a uh, little bit of physical sting to just, just to, I guess, to help not make that same uh, decision. Or, sorry, my dog, uh, oh. Freckles, is. <laughs> she's po- trying to dig at her shadow. So <laughs> She's fine. But anyway, so we don't do that anymore, right? The schools don't? No, no we do. Uh, yeah. used to, I'm at Eustis High School now, and mm-hmm. Eustis High School still does. I mean, it's always a choice like that to burn off detention. Mm-hmm. Trey, last year as a senior, he didn't get a lot of detention, but he would get some, and uh, he would much rather go in and get it burned off. Now, right. he's a Trey's a reactive guy, so <laughs> he would react to those licks. But he would much rather take it and get it over with. He's a screamer. Yeah, <laughs> he would. He would much rather get it over with. I think the anticipation killed him worse than the actual getting the licks. But he would rather do that than sit in yeah. detention for thirty minutes. You know, Larry Dunn. Mr. Oh yeah, Mister Dunn. Gave some hell of a licks. He gave he gave some pretty good licks. Uh, and he'd make you put the hands on the desk, but you know, like he could swing that thing, man. And he's you know always had a good tan. Larry Dunn was always tan, very tan individual, uh, well dressed, but he really knew how to give a give a lick <laughs> to somebody. So they, I mean, I remember those. Oh yeah, uh, and the ones I would witness over the year, Max Callahan, yeah. you know. Uh, Max is one of the most competitive people you'll ever see, but Max, Max <laughs> really? isn't. Max is not an. Imp- no. He's a, not an imposing physical right. person. You know, you don't walk. It's not like a big old coach. But man, I've watched Max give licks to some big old boys, and uh, I mean, their eyes were watering, and he could. Uh, he had the technique down, you know. He had a I, he had a small paddle. I remember his yeah, paddle was a Joe Kari, the old Joe Kari game. <laughs> they made they never knew that they made the perfect paddles for school administrators. Where do you 
Yeah, go ahead. Where, where you, do you, where do you get a, a a lick paddle? Like how what's it? How do you go into? You would I would the, a few I had I made. I had an old Jokari game, <laughs> and it had these laminated and the, they were the best paddles ever made. Uh, you can still buy them on eBay. That's probably where principals get them these days. You know. <laughs> But I tried to model mine after those. I made a couple on those patterns, but they would always break. And uh, <laughs> anyway, but the, Max had that Jokari paddle, and uh, that was the ultimate. Yeah. The company, whoever made those, Atari or whoever, I'm sure that's never what they intended for their paddles to be yeah. used for. But they were awesome. <laughs> I want to say he had some duck or some athletic tape on the handle, and I think he had a string yes. that he put around the wrist just yep. in case. It got wild, and he and it, he could, you know, a lanyard, if you will. Yes, it um, did. They, <laughs> they were they were perfect. Yeah, I got plenty with those, and I gave a few of those. There so. can't. I wish you know I had an assistant to look up real quick. Like what what schools are still giving paddle licks uh, with you know in today's times? You know, There's, most there can't be there can't be a lot. No, and you know most rural. Uh, at least here in Texas, East Texas schools, I would imagine West Texas too. Uh, you know, it's still, it's legal in Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you try to cover all your bases and, uh, you know, with, with younger kids, you make sure, I mean, parents always have the chance to opt out of that and say, no, I never want my child to get licks, but it's still a challenge. I mean, the few I've gave in the last several years as an administrator, I always called parents, Mm -hmm. uh, they would always agree that this is what we need to do. But even still, you know, if you paddle a junior high kid, his behind's going to be red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just is. If it's not, you didn't, it wasn't very effective. And, uh, you know, if they detected any redness or the kid complained that it hurt, well, then they were still mad because, right. like, well, what did you expect from this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's corporal punishment. It's uh, whether you're running for punishment or you're yeah. – it's intended to be physically uncomfortable. So, at one point, it, I just made the decision, I won't ever give licks again. Now, I did for my own children. Right. I didn't have to very often, but uh, but I, there's still a lot in Texas. Probably not many in in cities probably not dallas fort worth metroplex you know we're mm-hmm. we get too refined for that you know we, <laughs> so i don't know well you know liability wise now it just see when anyway i get it all right where'd you grow up i grew up in can texas uh you know I, my my dad my gosh i don't know how many generations go back in van zant county my my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, at least on the Oakley side, came to Texas from Georgia, and that would have put it, you know, early 1800s, and uh, always out in that Canton Martins Mill community, and uh, and my parents had, my dad graduated, I think in 61 from Canton, and uh, they moved to Dallas for just a short time, and I was actually born while they were still living in Canton or while they were still living in Dallas, I was born in Kaufman, a little clinic. They didn't have a hospital there. And uh, they built the house out there in the Walnut Springs community that I grew up in when I was just a few months old. And so I lived in that house my whole life and grew up there and went to Canton High School and went to Tyler Junior College and went on to A&M. But, but I grew what, uh, up right here in Canton, Texas. So what building did you go to high school in? I went to the, it would have been the building that, 
you went to junior high and it was mm-hmm. the uh you know it, it sat it's gone now but where the current junior high is uh it sat just in front of that yeah. uh, and there was that old metal building the annex building behind it yeah. but i went to high school in that building so what year did you graduate now, 83, 1983 is so when I graduated. That was the year I was born. Right there. <laughs> 1983. So what was going on in 1983? You know, uh, gosh, in, in my life, we were, you know, I lived out in the country. And, you know, of course, we had, uh, you might talk to a friend. I mean, you hung out with your friends at school. and uh, But after that, you know, you didn't talk to them in the afternoon. You went home and I went home and. I fished and helped my dad and helped my granddad. They had dairies and I had my chores I had to do, feeding the cows. And uh, cause I was into, I played all the sports, you know, so I'd have football practice. And then was the, was the Davis Dairy in operation in 1983 or was that before? Uh, it, it started right about that time, mm-hmm. uh, probably. Uh, I think those were out there. Uh, there were a lot of dairies. Yeah. A the, lot of them. And, and it's sad that, you know, my my granddad and my dad, they kind of experienced the end of the small dairy operation, you know. Uh, and uh, you just don't find those. You, you see those old barns scattered mm-hmm. all over the country now. Why was that? Why did why'd they go away? Well, I think just uh, milk prices. I know when my granddad retired, he my granddad had the best luck with financial things, and my dad seemed to have the worst luck. But when my the government... You know, there'd get to be an oversupply of milk, and so they would pay, they would pay dairy farmers to not produce, mm-hmm. and you'd put in a bid for how much you would take for your production, and they would only accept a certain amount. Well, my granddad got ready to, if I, I may be stating it wrong, but uh, the theory's the same. Like when my granddad, he was getting ready to retire and just be done, and the government came out with one of those programs, and at that time milk was going maybe for like $25 for a hundred pounds. I might be off on that pounds and numbers, but the, the theory is the same. And so that was about the going price for milk. And so the government had a program, you put in a bid, what would you take for your production for the next five years? I think it was. And so the people that really wanted to get out, they would put in a bid for like $9, $8, where they would be sure they would be under the number. My grandfather thought, well, I'm getting $25 now. I'm going to retire anyway. I'll put in $24.99 and just see what happens. Uh, and the cap that year was $25. He was under it by one cent. And so for five years, five more years, he got paid for his entire production with no expense, you yeah. know, no feed, no anything. And so ultimately, that's why a lot of those went out of business. The government paid them to go out of business because uh, there was an overproduction of milk and then bigger dairies came in and smaller dairies couldn't compete with that you know yeah. so uh that's my best recollection i'm not an expert on it at all but uh, but i know that's why a lot of these small dairies went out you know what kind of farming or ranching operation were you doing as a kid was your dad doing that you kind of helped with big or small over there in walnut springs well my dad was he was just a jack of all trades i mean he always talked about how he, he barely graduated from high school, but uh, he could just fix anything. He just, I mean, he was just gifted with, I would say, as an educator, I would say it was spatial reasoning because he could look at a machine and 
just understand how it works. Definitely, if he took it apart, he knew how it worked and he could fix it. And um, and so he did a lot of everything. He he worked for Sears right out of high school, but he learned very quick he didn't want to work for somebody else. So he bought a. He came back to Canton and he worked for Pargas. They sold propane, and uh, he sold propane and he bought a little insulation machine and uh, insulated houses. So. As a little kid, I helped him do that. I'd climb through attics and itchy fiberglass <laughs> insulation. Yeah. Uh, he would always tell me, I use ivory soap. Ivory soap will pull out those little fibers stuck in you. I don't know if it really helped, but it made me feel better. <laughs> but uh, So he did that for a while. A few years, he raised sweet potatoes. When I was, I, I was pretty sure I was eight years old because he had an Al- Alice Chalmers tractor, and I was – it was no power steering or anything. I could drive it. It was the classic. He had to build the wood on the pedals so I could press them. But I could drive the tractor down the row. I wasn't strong enough to turn it, so I would drive it to the end of the row, and then he would get off of the potato setter or, or digger and come around, turn it out, get it on the next row, and then I would drive it to the end of the row. So we did sweet potatoes. Of course, all that time, my granddad had a dairy uh, mm-hmm. there just past the Walnut Springs Church. And uh, so I always had chores on the dairy to feed certain cows. And mm-hmm. and there were times that my granddad, he hardly ever missed the milkings. He, he may have missed in 40 years. He may have missed one or two sick or whatever. So he, if you're driving down 2909 and you're going towards Martin's Mill from Canton, you look on the right and there's, Mar- there's Walnut Springs Church. That Right to the right of that, that field, that's where you were driving that tractor Right in there? Yeah, right in there. Well, actually, where he raised sweet potatoes was just past, you keep on going down that road. Mm-hmm. My granddad's uh, dairy would be on the left, and then you turn that road, the Carter Cemetery Road, mm-hmm. Thrill Hill Road, Thrill Hill, yeah. Many <laughs> just, times, yeah. just to the right of that, on the right side of that road. I believe the Lewis family owns that land now, mm-hmm. uh, but he that was my family's home place back then okay uh, but eventually they lost that land and uh my granddad tried hard to buy it back but he never could so he bought land just adjacent to it in the, okay. those kickaboo bottoms but my dad leased some land there and we cleared out trees and he made places to farm sweet potatoes back in there wow but all that other land you know we cut hay off of so we were you know I drove the truck from to haul the hay until I got big enough to haul the hay, and mm-hmm. then I was hauling the hay, and uh, you know, so it was always hay hauling, cow tending. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, Dad got some dump trucks and a backhoe, and we put in septic tanks and just anything it took to make it. You know, yeah. <laughs> hustling. We made it. <laughs> what a sport! Any sports or band or anything? I, yeah, I did a little of everything. I was I was in the band. I played football. I loved baseball and basketball. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was one of those kind of farm strong kids, so that worked good for football. And now we were my sophomore year, actually, in 1980. I, I got to play on the varsity a little bit, and, and we were good. We were nine and one. And uh, my junior year, we we started off great guns, and but uh, and of course, back in those days, that year in 1980. Van had just won the state championship maybe the year before, maybe two years before, right in there. But uh, Van was in our district, and our only loss was to Van. 
but that was the day where the only people that went to the playoffs were the district champs and yeah. uh, so how it should be we finished well, yeah i still i still think so <laughs> we finished second and uh, nine and one and we didn't go to the playoffs uh and then the next year we just kind of went downhill and uh, we didn't finish real strong but i loved playing and i loved baseball i, I just loved to interact and is van still was they they were the rival right yeah the they, they were our van wills point you know you why were, is kenton and van always the big rivalry I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. We, you know, we grew up with those guys and at track meets and things, and mm-hmm. we always got along. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't fight, we didn't, we didn't have personal issues. But man, we really wanted to beat them, and they really wanted to beat us. And uh, during my time, they generally beat us way more than we beat them. But but we still uh, we still fought to the last. <laughs> <laughs> to the last on there. In fact, the last high school game I played my senior year was against Van, and, and they whipped us. I believe it was 42 to nothing. But I remember uh, to the very last play, man, I was I was giving it everything I had. And uh, and uh, I'm like, I we're not – in fact, we didn't win a single game that year. Uh, but uh, I was like, I'm not – I'm not backing off of these guys, you know. <laughs> we may not, I may not can score a touchdown, but I can I can get this dude in front of me. So uh, he was going to get all I had, and uh, it's I've run into a few of those guys over the years, and uh, you know I was like, well, I thought I was a decent player, but you know a few were like, man, are you that you that Oakley guy? Dang, man, you laid me out. You you could hit, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a as fast as you get older, yeah. it's like. Hey, I always wondered, you yeah. know, I thought I was pretty good at that, but uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you said that. Uh, it was back when you really could lay somebody out, <laughs> you know, damn near kill them, <laughs> yes. and everybody clapped for you, and you didn't get in trouble, you know. Yeah, and uh, then you just helped them up, yeah. and went on back, and let's, let's do it again. Everybody you know? was concussed multiple times yes. during the game. Oh, I, I remember many times wandering to the wrong huddle of <laughs> yeah. my friends pulling me back because – <laughs> I was I couldn't see straight and like okay here we I go wonder, Let, like, let's line up and do it again how good of a memory I would have from childhood if I didn't never played football <laughs> <laughs> if I could remember way more or I, or or I have a normal memory I, but you know every play was just a huge you know huge collision it was um, why Texas A&M well you know at the time I I uh, I was young for my class. My birthday's August 30th, and uh, so I was young. You know, I was 17. No one in my family had ever gone off to college, and uh, I initially thought, you know, as a kid, I'm like, college, that's going to take forever. So I thought, well, I'm going to go to trade school or something. And uh, so I went, I signed up and went through everything, and I went to a little trade school in Dallas. And uh, just the first week up there, I realized, this is this is not for me i i I, there's and that that's a great path for many people but it wasn't right for me so i moved back home and i worked with my dad the rest of that fall and then in the spring i enrolled at tjc and uh always knew i wanted to work with kids uh we talked about max callahan max Mm -hmm. is just always a hero and a a role model for me and was he a teacher of yours he was uh he my relationship with max actually started when i was six he he i played on his t-ball baseball team i was i was one of the falcons the super falcons you know and uh and we just built that relationship and 
as I got to be a teenager, he asked me to help with the Falcons, and I helped him coach. And I love working with those little guys. That's one of my first realizations of how other people are watching me in life because there are these little guys, they're grown men now, Trey Lively and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, Cody uh, – oh, I'm blank, Cody – Cody Clark, uh, Burke Lewis, yep. you know, rest his soul. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah. But uh, guys like that were all in the Falcons. But – I coached those little guys, and they were fun. But then, you know, I was in high school, and so I'd be at a football game or something, and those little guys come, hey, Truman, hey, Truman, they're pulling on my – and I was like, whoa, these these little guys see me everywhere I go. And it, it was really profound to me because it was like – I mean, I tried to do the right things, but that hit me hard because I'm like, man, if I'm out doing the wrong things, if I'm drinking, if I'm not talking the way I should be talking, these little guys see that and – uh they're going to think it's cool whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And it just, it was, it was a very profound moment in my life when I was like 15, 16. And uh, anyway, but but in that same time, Max was my teacher in junior high Mm -hmm. and then I helped him. And that's where I knew I wanted to teach uh, or I wanted to work with kids. Now I was, I knew teachers didn't make a whole lot of money. And uh, I was always very interested in medical things and science and and, uh, thought hard about medical school, uh, optometry, things like that. And and, uh, ultimately, I stuck with education, and I certainly don't regret that. I'm still very interested in medical things. And my daughter's kind of following that path. she's She's in pharmacy school now, and it's kind of fun to get to see that path through her, you know. So it's kind of neat how life. So the brings those things around the thought of being a role model whenever you actually were one was motivation for you to get in the teaching field but take take me back to uh tjc you went to tjc yeah yeah i was at tjc for three semesters and uh had some some of the best teachers i ever had Mm -hmm. uh especially in college but some ever were at TJC and the, I lived at home and, and drove to TJC and I had a few of my high school friends that went to A&M and um, you know I'd always liked A&M but I kind of had a thing for Baylor for a long time I don't know why I just liked those colors Mike Singletary and those mm-hmm. guys I looked up to those he went to Baylor Mike yeah Singletary yeah did? Mike Singletary oh, was yeah he went to Baylor Ashley Dean went to Baylor uh, hey yeah I know yeah. it so that's a good great uh, got some great kids that have gone to Baylor over these years but uh but some of my friends went to uh, A&M, and I ended up at a Aggie football game at, at Texas Stadium. They played SMU, and uh, that Aggie band came out, and and the, all the Aggie tradition, seeing all that, I'm like, holy cow, this is yeah. I want to be a part of this. And uh, so put in my transfer request, and I transferred to A&M in the fall of 85. I went to TJC for three semesters, and then I – transferred to A&M and ended up graduating from A&M you what, could you could still get a degree in education then they've changed all that up now but uh, where did you live down there when you were at, at A&M we a bunch of us Canton guys lived together uh who, James, who were they James Eblen Nathan Nix uh some guys a little younger than us Reagan Sumner uh Kirk Pierce uh Todd Bartlett a bunch mm-hmm. of those. Uh, we lived in the same complex, and we just kind of flipped around whoever needed a roommate this semester. To James Eblen and I always we stayed together through all of that. 
Ratanop uh, was a he he stayed with us some. Uh, Is that Mr. Knops? Yes. And Mrs. Knops' son. Uh huh. Okay. Rata, wow. Rata yeah. was he he graduated in my class and went on to uh, got a job as an engineer. Worked in the space program. Was affiliated with NASA mm-hmm. for a long time. I've lost touch with Rata. I don't know where he is right now, but I'd love to reconnect with him and see what he's doing. He's he's probably designing things for he. He may be space, in with Elon Musk or something. SpaceX, you know? probably. But uh, but well, ended up at A and M. Rata, if you're listening, you know, get in ch- touch with Truman. Yeah, there you go. I'd love to hear from him. <laughs> uh, Rata was always fun because he uh, he was a little bitty guy, and uh, he would he was always Truman. I, I like hanging around with you because you're big. I, f- I feel very safe when I'm with you. Because <laughs> Rata, you know, I was pretty laid back guy. Yeah. You know, I I I would have certainly protected Rata, but. You know, I wasn't I wasn't gonna fight unless I had to, you know. But uh, <laughs> but just I was big, so yeah. it, it made him feel safe. So <laughs> where was Becky Oakley in all this? Wow, well Becky Oakley is uh, quite a bit younger than me. Uh, she was uh, she was I'm eight years older than hers. November fifteenth, seventy three. Uh, it's her birthday. We uh we didn't meet until ninety. No, 94, late 93 is when we met. I had, uh, my first job was at Martin's Mill. I taught science for a year there. And then Max called me because I wanted to work for Max, but they, mm-hmm. he just didn't have a job that first year. And then I taught at Kenton Junior High for two years. And I've always been, I take my faith very seriously and was always involved in ministry of some kind. And I just really felt called to be involved in ministry full time. And, um, uh, uh, I took a call to to be the youth minister at First Baptist Church in Post, Texas, out near Lubbock, mm-hmm. and uh, spent two and a half years out there, and that was wonderful just to get a dose of East, West Texas, and uh, that and that was really my first time away from Canton on my own. Uh, when I was in college, I came home a lot. I was really never that disconnected from mm-hmm. Canton, and uh, so that was a really good time for me, and uh, and through. A minister there, Terry Don Thomason, he moved to MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church in Irving, and uh, he kept. I loved baseball, and we always, we were always talking about baseball. And when he got there, he kept telling me, "Man, Truman, there's this there's this girl that works for our church, and she just loves baseball. You need to meet her, just because y'all love baseball and y'all both love Jesus, you know." Yeah. And uh, he ultimately introduced us, and that was Becky. Uh, and uh, he introduced us, and uh, we met. Actually, the first day we met was on my birthday. Uh, Terry Don and I were going to Six Flags together, and uh, we just met. And she was a very pretty girl. I was like, "Hey, is that the girl you're talking yeah. about?" That's a that, I'm kind of might want to learn more about that. <laughs> and uh, and he set up a date for us to go out with him and his wife uh, in October, I think. And we started dating, and uh, it was one of those things I knew pretty quick. This yeah. this is what. I don't need to let go of this, you know. And uh, we got engaged the next uh, February on a Valentine's weekend. And uh, we got married July of that next year, in July of 94, July 16th. And uh, so that's – but Becky, actually, uh, she was born in Boston. Um, well, technically, she was born in Brookline. She's a twin, mm-hmm. uh, and she was actually born at home and then taken to the hospital. Uh, her twin story is pretty good because she was born at home, and then her sister Debbie 
was born in the elevator at the hospital. So wow. they're, they're twins. But Becky was actually delivered in Brookline. And Debbie was delivered in Boston. So they're twins that were actually born in two different towns, <laughs> about 20 minutes apart. But uh, anyway. Yeah, but, cook a little longer in the oven, you know, <laughs> sister. But it, that's been neat because it just, that connection to a different uh, culture and because, you know, the Northeast. And Do y'all ever go up there or have y'all been up there? We, we have. Yeah. We've been to Boston a few times. Becky has a, uh, her grandmother. They lived in Maine. Her mother's from Maine, and uh, we've been there a few times. Her father's from Beloit, Wisconsin, just north mm-hmm. of Chicago, and so a lot of connections to Chicago and the Cubs. Uh, Morris is a he's a huge Cubs fan. Becky's a huge Cubs fan. So, uh, what do you and Becky like to do? Just for instance, Ash and I just got into watching Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a stiff competition. Uh, Whenever we can watch now with Hulu, we can kind of record it and watch it whenever. But Wheel of Fortune gets pretty heated over here. Is there <laughs> anything? What do you guys like to do or watch? Is it baseball or, or is it? We you know we really love sports. She really loves sports, so we love to we love to watch sports. We love to travel and. Is it the Ra- Rangers. Yeah, usually? Uh, usually. I mean, we're big. You know, I was a big Rangers fan. Uh, she introduced me to the Cubs. Uh, her allegiance is. I mean, she is a she's a diehard Cubs fan, but she's a diehard Rangers fan too. Uh, if uh, if the Rangers and the Cubs ever ended up in the World Series, that would be a tough <laughs> that'd be tough on her. Uh, but uh, you know, of course, the Cubs won the World Series just a couple years ago, and uh, that was a uh, was one of the highlights of her life. Though it was one of the most stressful times of her life too, because <laughs> I mean, I watched her go through the Steve Bartman days and all that. <laughs> but uh, but we love sports and. And, uh, you know, our kids, Trey and Samantha, just things that revolve around them, you know, growing up with all the things they did and being involved in their activities. And, and just as they continue, of course, Samantha just got married. But, uh, you know, just enjoying our kids. And we love to travel. Uh, our And our travel has usually revolved around baseball. Uh, we've been to uh, 23, 24 Major League ballparks. We want to make them all eventually. Uh so we usually have a baseball trip planned this summer. COVID killed that last year and this year. We're probably going to do National Park this year. But, uh, but you know, we love movies and uh, just hanging out, good places to eat, and, and just talking. Becky's just – she's just such a steady person, just so even. Uh, she's, she's, she's just perfect for me. Uh, how do you – how do you adjust? Trey just graduated from high school and went to where's he at? Stephen e- East Texas East, Baptist East, ETBU in Marshall. Uh, Samantha just got married. She's been at A and M. How do you adjust when your kids leave the nest, man? What do you? I know it's hard. Yeah, it you know it is, but it what's made it good is is when you see your kids happy and thriving and samantha i mean she thrived from the beginning at a&m but she went through some i mean ups and downs finding the right mix with roommates and changing majors just dialing into exactly what you want and when those days were a little uncertain for her you know that was hard because it's like we want her to find her niche and she was close to it i mean both of our children we we've been so blessed because they're just they're both amazing kids uh, amazing young people now they're they're not kids anymore but uh when she found her people 
and when she found her niche and then ultimately when she met Ross and uh, and we knew pretty quick he was going to be the guy and we love him and but when you see when you see them so happy and so in their zone it's just it's been truly I think the greatest feeling in the world just knowing your kids are thriving and it's been the same thing with Trey I mean Trey Trey meets people and he's the life of the party kind of guy but but he has his moments too where he's insecure and and but he's he's found just a wonderful group of friends and that that are just the right friends they have fun but they support each other in their faith and in their walk with the lord and and uh when when one of your kids comes to you and 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 they don't know what to do like if they can't decide on the, what's the best way and I know you're not perfect. You you don't you may not know, but what do you do? Like when Samantha couldn't figure out a major or was unsure of her roommates or whatever, like how do you how how do you help them? Because you want to just make the decision for them always, right? Exactly. You know, and especially as men, we're fixers. Uh, but I mean, I've always really tried as as a person with with kids in school with anybody to not make decisions for them, to help them talk through it. Um, for one, I, I would never let them give up on something too soon. Uh, there a lot of times through maybe a sport they were in or something and maybe they wanted to quit or they wanted to do this or maybe they were in a class that they were struggling in. And uh, I, won't, I won't be too specific in some of those. Yeah. <laughs> I could give some specific examples, but it might embarrass one or the other. But uh, I remember one particular time with one of our children, uh, who will remain unnamed, Trey. But, uh, <laughs> but he was just in a class that wasn't going. It was a dual credit class. And uh, it just, he hadn't, he would, it was a new experience for him, and it wasn't going well. Uh, and he wanted to get out of it. And uh, I just wouldn't let him. And uh, he wasn't happy about that. But... I think it's very important to let our kids struggle. It's hard, uh, but I just see it so much with kids these days. They don't know how to deal with adversity. That may be the single biggest weakness I see in kids and ultimately in parents is kids don't know how to deal with adversity because we bail them out all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I would make them, you know, I wouldn't make decisions for them. I would make them have to, and Becky feels totally the same way you know you're gonna have to go through a struggle and figure it out you know now we would support them all the way we would listen we'd give advice but we let them know ultimately you're gonna have to decide and make a decision and sometimes we knew the decision they made that they were going to struggle but in it there was a degree of blessing in it because you knew they were going to be better because of the struggle Mm -hmm. and um I just think that's so important. One of the biggest things, and I don't get the opportunity to tell people that very often. As a principal, I did, but, you know, when you assign consequences to somebody and parents just instantly want to get them out of the consequence, I try to let them know, look, it's not, it's ISS. <laughs> it's it's not jail. Yeah. It, it doesn't go on their permanent record. Everybody thinks there's this permanent record out there that's following them everywhere. <laughs> like, let them experience uh, some some adversity, even if it's not their fault. 
let them go through it. Yeah. It's okay. It, you're going to deal with things in life that are unfair. And I've always tried to do those same things with our kids. Like, because they would come to us about things that, well, it's just not fair. Like, well, life's not fair. Life's not fair. <laughs> you just, no. you have to learn how to deal with it and not lose your mind. But again, that's a long answer to that. But no, just that's good. But just trying to not bail them out, uh, steer them, but, uh, but again, let them struggle. And so, if your if your kid gets in trouble at school, it's important to let them, not try to get them out, try to bail them out. Respect the uh, teacher in front of the in front of the child too. I mean, oh, yeah, exactly. Even if you disagree, even and even if the teacher's wrong or the principal's wrong, I was a principal for nineteen years. I was wrong plenty of times. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, but you know, nothing, whether it's a, we, we talked about corporal punishment earlier, even if you have to take your licks and it turns out you really weren't guilty, you know, yeah. it, it, you learn from those kind of things. Uh, but the, punish, even, the punishment is, is also a lesson yes. in, a, in a way like deal, you know, dealing with that. You know, it is, and it prepares us for so many things, but most of the time, uh, you know, the punishment is fair, and most of the time, it's lighter than it should be, honestly, with many things, but, you know, parents do, and I, I completely understand, we don't want our kids to hurt and be uncomfortable, but they need to be uncomfortable, they need to struggle, uh, you know, it's that, uh, and I've never, I mean, I'm a science guy, I always hear this illustration and I use it a lot and I think it's accurate I wouldn't swear it's accurate it may just be a just a story but uh but like a butterfly when it's coming out of that cocoon you know you if you if you slice that cocoon open and help it just pop out it it's got little tiny wings going to hit the ground and it's yeah. just going to hit the ground it part of that struggle of pushing out of the cocoon it pushes the fluids from its body into its wings and it makes its wings do what they're supposed to do if you if you bail it out its wings never develop and that's such a perfect metaphor for our kids they when they go through those struggles it's what makes their wings it's what allows them to succeed and uh and so that just you know, just don't bail your kids out of trouble. You know, go to that principal or that teacher, have a conference with them, and let them know why you disagree. But don't tell your kid. You know, just 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 hang in there. Don't get on Facebook and badmouth everything, even if they were wrong. You know, yeah. uh, just because we're gonna go through things like yeah. that. And uh, the teacher, I'll say this: like coaches and teachers. It's a hard job, and they're doing the best they can do, you know, nine times out of ten. They want the kids to succeed, of course, and they're not doing it for their own satisfaction. You know, it. it's a tough, tough deal being a teacher, and they need the support of the parents. They do, and, you know, I love, I mean, I love teaching science, and, I mean, I loved working with kids in general, but... I love it when those teachable moments come up, when that kid comes to me about advice about how to get along with another teacher or how to do this or how to do that. And 
you know, and I'll let them know, but you, you just, you've got to adjust, you know, mm-hmm. so many, so many kids want, they, they, they think every teacher should adjust to them. And I'm like, that's not the way life works. Right. Your, your boss isn't always going to adjust to you. you so you've got to adjust. Miss Nixon, Jimmy Nixon, tough teacher, English teacher, everybody, you know, everybody hated Miss oh, Nixon, <laughs> this, that. But when I got to West Point, I was, when I first semester at West Point, I was plebe year. It was tough for me. I was failed, failing everything besides English because, like, I had my ducks in a row because she had made me get my ducks in a row. Uh-huh. And I knew how to write papers because I was so scared of her, <laughs> you know, and I just wanted, and she, it was tough. And then, you know, the kids always, most of the kids are going to start, they're going to cheat off other kids, you know, like you're going to copy people's homework until a teacher steps in and says, or parent, like, hey, the zero is what you need, and that's what you're going to get, because that's not your work. And that was, at West Point, everybody adjusted to that, the honor code, you couldn't, you, you if you did cheat off somebody, you had to document, you had exact write exactly, and the, the punishment for that is getting kicked out automatically. Yeah for being a character issue, which is so important. But it's where you, you're in school because you're learning, you're a student, you're learning how to live, learning lifelong things, learning that cheating is not acceptable, that you know if you do screw up, you're going to get punished for it. It's, it's huge. Well, and kids, you know, I teach biology. Uh, we're right now, we're studying DNA and, RNA replication, of course, that has some pretty pertinent things to life right now, but a lot of kids, it's very tedious, and it's very boring, and it's not their thing, and, and you can see they're like, wow, on earth am I having to learn about all this? And I try to let them know, you know, unless you go on to something something in the medical field or something, you probably never take another biology class, but you're going to constantly have to learn subjects that you really don't want to learn. Uh, specifications for something in your job and working hard even when it's something you don't like builds that discipline it builds that character it builds those good habits so so put yourself into it you know it it's easy to work hard when you love it Mm -hmm. Uh, it's hard to put forth that 100 percent effort when you don't like it and you know very few of us have gone through life without being in a job or a situation that we didn't like, but we had to endure for a while, maybe even years. And, you know, just trying to teach kids those life lessons is, it's just a huge opportunity. And that I was the same way with Miss Nixon, you know. It, uh, now, I had an advantage with Miss Nixon uh, because Kevin Nixon was on the Falcons, back mm-hmm. to those Falcon yeah. stories. And the very first day of her class, I'll never forget, uh, you know, Miss Nixon would always give you her spiel. Most of you I don't like. Uh, I'm not gonna like, but uh, in my class, but I like Mr. Oakley because uh, he teaches my, uh, he coaches my little baby in baseball. Well, uh, you know that made me feel good about her class, but you can imagine all the heck I caught yeah, from my classmates. Exactly. But I didn't really care because I thought, okay. But she still pushed me. I mean, now I can talk in front of crowds. That I mean, I like that. I probably talk too much. It's like it's time to shut up. But in high school. I did not like to get up in front of people, Mm-mm. and um, we had a poem we had to learn, and I learned it. I knew it. I knew it backwards and forward, but when I stood up to say it, 
in her class, I just froze. I even teared up because I was so nervous and I couldn't say it. And uh, she gave me a pretty hard time. Just, Truman, if you don't know it, just sit down, you know. And I'm like, no, I know it. Just give me a second, you know. And uh, Wasn't that the worst and, uh, doing those poems? And yeah. I finally, and I never could get it. <laughs> yeah. And she, she, she was pretty hard on me. And I was finally just, fine, just forget it. And I'm a senior in high school, and I sat at my desk, and yeah. I was bawling pretty good because uh-huh. I was embarrassed. And, and she saw that, and she she came, you know, a lot of people think she's tough and never had any compassion. But after class, she came, because I was gathering up my stuff. I wanted my friends to get on out of there. But she came over, and she's now, Truman, did, do you really know that poem? I said, yes, ma'am, I really know it. Well, take a deep breath and see if you can say it to me and I stood up and it came to me just right and I said it perfect and and uh she was just thank you and of course I was still mad (laughs) so I just took off but that's huge too you know that she she saw that and came back and there was a lot of that little part of her that she cares she she really did I I loved her to death yeah absolutely what public speaking people say they fear people fear public speaking more than like sharks or you know like yeah like more than death usually. more than death uh i remember miss barry our drama teacher uh, we had to get up and do a bunch of that i, I don't remember in miss nixon probably did it in miss nixon's class too but i used to be the same way man my heart my armpits would sweat so and they still do but <laughs> when i get up in front of class i mean my entire shirt would be wet <laughs> from anxiety. And I do it every day with CrossFit. I get up and speak in front of 10 people or whatever, and I don't think twice about it. It's just, it's reps. Yes. It's repetitions of, of getting in front of people. And uh, you get better over time. I mean, simple. Simple yes. as that. And I think a lot of it, and I love this in teaching, is... I love it when I mess up, when I misspeak or uh-huh. I say something wrong and a kid calls you out on it. And I love the chance to just be real in front of kids and say, oh, you're right. I was wrong, you know, because that's another thing in life. There's not a lot of there's not enough of that in life these days of people saying, you know, I was wrong about that of our, you know, how many times on, in the big Facebook battles and things do we see somebody I'm sorry, I shouldn't have written that about you. You know, we don't see those things. but So I love those opportunities to tell kids yeah. I was wrong because we, we need to hear it, so much more of that I, in life. Whenever I have a leader or a friend or somebody that says, guys, I made a mistake, I messed up here, and this is what I did, to me, that I give instant credibility to that person because I feel like that person's honest and, and transparent, trustworthy nobody's perfect everyone makes mistakes exactly. i make a hundred a day before lunch and it's uh to come be forth forthright in that and taking stuff back but you're yeah i understand and as far as social media goes it's there's no there's never a winner on an argument in social media even if you think you won you've really lost exactly. because everybody sees how dumb you are with the with the argument and um yeah, that's really morphed into a, a sad, crazy thing that, you know, has a grip on most people, myself included. I wish I, you know, I w- wasn't so tied to it, but it, it's uh, very much a part of our world now. 
and when there's so many there's mm-hmm. so many positives to it i enjoy it i enjoy keeping up with people mm-hmm. i enjoy reading when when people are just real and honest about things i love to see that i hate that people I almost i wish we could eliminate the share buttons yeah. uh mm-hmm. and that we're not just sharing memes that you have to put original content out there yeah, I agree. Uh, and uh where i hear your thoughts because that's what i want to and that and it could be a force for so much good in our country uh, to really be able to hear what's on people's minds. And when I write something, I try to be that way. I try to, now I'm always going to put pictures of my cows or mm-hmm. if, uh, you I know, like to keep those coming. I if, like those. If as an old man, I got a, I got a PR, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I, I thought a few years ago, I thought those days were past, but, uh, oh. uh, so I, I'm going to brag on those things. See, and it, I, you know, I fall into this trap every once in a while, but people are just, we want to find something to, to complain about. We want to be negative about something. And it's like in the, in the 90s or before social media, most people didn't know what was going on in politics. Nope. <laughs> you know, unless you watch 60 Minutes, like you really had no idea. And now you have all this information at your fingertips and people share it, your cousin shares it and you read it. But also like there's a 90% chance that that's not even true. Exactly. <laughs> so in in order now these days to, to, to have something that's actually true, you need to research it. You need to research the conservative news outlet version of it. And then also the, the left leaning uh, news outlet version of it. And then make a decision for yourself that's probably in between those two things before you need to comment on it or not because you might be getting the wrong information and and these people know and that are making this they say well we're in this money business to make money and they and they're they'll tell you like yeah no it's this is liberal this is conservative so it's 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 scary and, you know, I have conversations with people. People come and say, well, you know, you know, they're going to, you know, next thing you, they'll be swabbing us anally for the coronavirus, you know, or something crazy <laughs> <Yes>. that <laughs> or there, you know, there's Chinese troops going to be in Canton, Texas, you know, locking us down. Or there's going to be, you know, when the election happens, we're going to be they're going to come put chains on us, take our guns. And, and there's there's a lot of people that that thought that was real and terrified. Mm hmm. And it's because somebody was kind of careless on social media and shared something and was like, look at this, what they're trying to do. But there's people out there that that believe it at face value, and it's scary. Well, and there's just such a lack of common sense these days. I, the thing I, I love about my heritage from my grandfather and both my grandfathers, my all of my predecessors, my dad especially, uh, they just had they were just people of good common sense my granddad i think he went to school through the fourth grade uh he dropped out he told me stories about he just couldn't read and now these days i would have no doubt he would have been dyslexic but Mm -hmm. he just didn't know but math he could he could do so much math in his head and he was a very successful farmer and just worker and managed his money and my dad just practical but they just had common sense and wisdom, you know, not knowledge, big difference between wisdom and knowledge. And that's, 
you know, that's the thing on social media. People see something that fits their agenda and they don't apply any common sense to it and uh, and just think, yeah, there's something wrong with that, you know. And that's another thing I try to do with kids is when they throw something out there, we try to examine it and talk about it. And and I like to throw some of those weird conspiracies out there. We'll, we'll talk flat earth stuff in mm-hmm. school. And I'm like, guys, there are people that really believe this. Well, let's look at... Let's look at them and see why they believe it. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to get you to believe it, but but really try to put yourself in another person's shoes. Empathy. We people don't understand empathy anymore. They they think it's sympathy, and it's not sympathy. It's truly being able to put yourself so, in somebody else's shoes and feel what they feel. And what's an inte- a smart person? What's your definition of somebody that's intelligent? Oh wow, that's a good, that's a good question. You know, you know. I mean, true intelligence, and I separate those as intelligent and wisdom, because there are, uh, well, in a classic example, uh, where we're studying. You know, we, if people have done biology very much, they know Watson and Crick, James Watson and Francis Crick. They discovered the DNA molecule. I mean, those guys were intelligent, mm-hmm. uh, and. James Watson is still alive. He's in his, I believe he is, he's still in his 90s. But James Watson has said some extremely harsh things in life about race and women and and uh, not very wise things. So there's a man that is a genetic pioneer, won the Nobel Prize, you know, a, a very intelligent man, but has some very questionable ideas on things, you know. Uh, so, you know, there are the intelligent people in this world that, I mean, they think on a level that I can't even comprehend the Elon Musk's of this world, mm-hmm. this, the, the geniuses of this world that, uh, that come up with these ideas. Now, some are just risk takers, but, you know, I mean, intelligence straight up is, uh, I mean, I think it's a gift, uh. You know, and man, I'm really drifting back here. But one thing I've I've had to do during the the pandemic is not watch the news all the time because it's not just been the pandemic. We've had all the racial tension and politics, and I you know I can't take too much of that. So one thing I've done is I've always loved history, but I uh, I've just invested a lot more in history, reading more history biographies, especially, and uh, and something that has struck me in all of this was I've read and reread and listened and re-listening to Washington by Ron Chernow, the biography of George Washington. And, uh, uh, ah, what's the name of his main servant that always stuck with him? Lee, uh, was his last name. Ron, uh, I'm blank on his first name right now, but, uh, you could tell he was, he was an intelligent man, yeah. uh, he wasn't an educated man, but just from things you hear in his story, but, uh, you know, and I see someone like that. Cause, so it's not necessarily, I don't equate education with intelligence. Uh, some people just have a gift of being able to understand certain things. Uh, but, uh, and, and definitely intelligence is a great trait for anybody to have but uh without wisdom i mean i i, I prize people that are wise far more than people that are intelligent 
Uh, what about self-awareness, though? Um, I think somebody that's self-aware, that knows how they come off to other people, or in your case, empathetic, you can put yourself in other people's shoes. It has a it has a lot to do. It has a very a lot to do with, uh, I think, intelligence. No doubt. Not just you know you got book smarts you got. You know, that guy's smart as hell. He's a dumbass. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of that. And I think that is yeah. the difference. It's that self-awareness, self-actualization, you know, in psychological cognitive development mm-hmm. terms. You'll hear that term self-actualization and how many, many people never reach that level of cognitive development. They they reach concrete and, and it's it's almost it's not quite equivalent to abstract thinking but it's the same way a lot of people just never their mind just never develops to the point where they can truly be an abstract thinker and and just like some people never develop that point of self-actualization they they don't they're not self-aware you know and it's there's there's all kinds of studies and psychology behind it and and I mean you can spot that now I, I think you can still if you just slow down and take a look at yourself and think, just being mm-hmm. a thinker, that I, does it start with reading comprehension at a young age? Maybe um, people that you know you have to read. I guess you don't. I guess you could watch something, but you have to read and learn, and then yeah, think because you know most things that are written are opinion pieces. And um, like in Afghanistan, for instance, people couldn't read, mostly illiterate. So they got the news from their relatives or you know, mouth, you know, from either a radio uh, broadcast or something that their relatives or their friends told them or their boss told them. And uh, it's easy to take advantage of people when they can't think for mm-hmm. themselves. And you can tell them a certain way and say, hey, well, these, you know, the Nazi burning books or, or, you know, whatever. Let's get rid of this. This is the way, you know, these are all lies. But, you know, if you're educated, I guess, if you know how to read and comprehend and, and you can get multiple sources and then form your own thought, that's, I mean, I think that's the. I I think you're exactly right. Just reading on your own but but not just reading things that fit your your narrative read read other things read mm-hmm. read perspectives on things you know that I've been I've been reading a lot I mean I, I think I've always been a decent student of history but you know right now there's so much racial tension in our country and so and so much of that comes through I, I read I've read it, it started kind of what got me going on was the musical Hamilton, which is so amazing. But I'm like, how, incredible. how did yeah. they how did they make a, this out of a book? So I read the book, and it's by Chernow. And I'm like, what else did this guy write? And so I read Washington, and he wrote a book about Grant. And when you read those stories, those biographies of presidents, they walk you through. I mean, racism just flows through that. And, you know, it just, I mean, I've always understood had a good grasp on how poorly we've treated uh, African-Americans in this country from the Mm -hmm. beginning. 
And yeah. but, but some people still don't see that. But when you, the more I've read, the more it makes me want to read more. And right now I've barely started, but I'm reading a biography of Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. uh, because I just want more perspective on those issues where I can maybe be a voice in my own circle to help people kind of understand. You know, we just don't, so many people, because, you know, I'm the, I'm the bad guy in this country. I'm the middle-aged, 55-year-old white man from the South. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm the prototypical. <laughs> Doesn't get any uh, worse than that. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I want people to be able to hear from me and see from me that I don't think that way. You know, these people, they, they're, we're, we're brothers. We're equals. And back to uh, Washington's, you know, Washington was such an interesting guy because he, he was really tortured over, I mean, he had slaves yes. all of his life, but you could tell he knew it wasn't right. And, and he could only come to free his slaves in his will. But but just when you, you watch that, so I think about earlier, I said my, you know, I think, I don't know my exact genealogy, but I know my people came from England, mm-hmm. Great the Great Britain, in probably the late 1700s. And, uh, but, you know, I, I try to think back, okay, what about my relatives then at their age versus a black man at the same age, same experience. And, you know, when we think, doesn't compare at all. When we think, because there are those say that I haven't had an advantage over anybody else in my life. I've had a huge advantage. My relatives could buy land. They could. And as you read those biographies about people that fought in the revolution and how much land they got and ultimately the power they had over their own lives because they had land but slaves couldn't have land and 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 even i mean we're still fighting that battle now you know i mean we barely had the vote i mean i was born in 1965 uh you know we've been fighting this battle for you know over 400 years and uh but again, it gets back to the issue of reading those things enlightens me and changes me, and it lets me it lets me be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And if you never do that, well, you're just you're just a victim of your own the rhetoric you hear around you, you know, and the things yeah. you see, and nothing will ever change your thoughts. And reading can do that. I mean, you're not going to travel the world in your lifetime. Most people aren't. But, uh, man, in a book you can. Uh, yeah, in a and, book you can. And you can. I've read a lot of World War II history, D-Day and mm-hmm. the, the the battle in Europe and and being able to walk through the life. Stephen Ambrose stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Band of Brothers and then Citizen Soldier. And I'm reading D-Day now. You know, they let you walk through the lives of those guys that were 17, 18 years old. And, uh, you know, and you you start, you understand why people call that the greatest generation. And uh, anyway, but it, yes, reading is a huge thing. If we could, if we'd quit reading so much, maybe, maybe on social media, we need to start posting classical literature. (laughs) And you've, you've got to, before you can go to bashing your neighbor, you've got to read these things. And uh, you have to understand them first, you know, like a Sun Tzu type art of war, like understand your enemy. 
uh, aka your Facebook argument, <laughs> yes. guy. Because um, and and you know it, it is. We just don't. I mean, we read things and we listen to things that fit our own narrative, and uh, go out there and you know if I want to understand more about. I mean, we there's so much tension in our culture culture over Islam, and you know if so if I want to if I want to understand that better, uh, I don't need to read what Southern Baptists are saying about Islam. Right. I, I need to read about Muhammad, and mm-hmm. and not to say I'm looking to under or choose that lifestyle, but it'll help me understand that lifestyle. Right. Uh, every <laughs> Every person that practices a faith is not bad, you know. Right, right, right. Many people give them a bad name, but uh, of course, you—you've operated in that world, and uh, yeah, I, I, you really have a mutual respect for another soldier fighting across from you. Yeah, we, you know, and I think a lot of that, like soldiers struggle sometimes, you know, in battle, you're killing each other. But a lot of the guys that shot at us. Unfortunately, one, you're not going to end war in, until you uh, end world hunger, like poverty, because the the Taliban or Al Qaeda sub commanders, they'd pay people to shoot at us. Yeah. And the and the had, people had no choice. I mean, five dollars, ten dollars, the going rate went up to ten dollars in the Korangal Valley at one time to shoot at Americans. Well, that's a lot of money for them the more money than they could make in four years probably so their family's starving that we you know we've invaded the Taliban's out they used to grow opium maybe or they 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 sold trees to pakistan but now they're getting extorted they, they don't have that job anymore oh the you know a lot of wars organized crime so like these guys these wise guys would come in aka foreign fighters and bring money and pay them and if they they said no. They'd probably kill them anyway. So they're, you know, they're just taken advantage of and extorted. And nine times out of ten, those are the guys we were fighting, and it's it's tragic. And you know, I think a lot of soldiers, if, if you, you know, kills have to kill some of those people. You think you know, you think about that guy, and you think about he's a Muslim, you know, and he grew up here. His family's here. We're you know, 5,000 miles away, come over here, and they think we're Russians because they don't know any better. They can't read. You know, they just knew the Russians were here last. And, and uh, I remember showing a video of 9-11 to some of these, some of the Afghan guys that were fighting with me. They didn't even know about it. Wow. <laughs> you know, and this is, essentially, this is why we're here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Taliban let these guys train. And they didn't hand them over to us, and that's why we fought against the Taliban. And one of my interpreters, you know, the Taliban, they caught him with a, you know, they banned music and art, and they didn't let women go to school. They're, su- they're super conservative Pashtun, or super conservative Muslims. And he got beat to death because he came across the border from Pakistan. He had a, he had a show tune, it's like a Bollywood tape in his car, with music on it, you know, would be like equivalent to Hamilton. Yeah. And they found it, and they almost beat him to death. <sighs> wow. So it scares me sometimes when I'm and I'm a conservative Christian, but I'm not super ultra conservative where I'm going to beat somebody for having 
uh, a rap album because I love, you know, I love rap music. <laughs> yeah, sure. I love rock and roll and rap music. This, 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 you know, and I like his beer from time to time, more than one. But sometimes we get we get so one way that like it's not good to go so far one way. It's not good to go so far to the left. It's not good to go so far to the right, in my opinion. And, and that's the extremes. Whenever you whenever you start doing stuff like that, and we have to bring people back in for the sake of our, our country, I believe. Exactly. And, well, and, and as a Christian, you know, I mean, where should our focus be? Our focus should be on Jesus. When you look at what Jesus did, did Jesus, you know, did he did he judge? And you know, they they brought a woman caught in prostitution to him and said, "The law of Moses said to." She should be stoned, you know. Coach Newbie, uh, one, one of those, another Canton <laughs> I gotta get, legend. I got to get him uh, on the phone. Yes, oh my, that'd be great. But uh, we had had a it, back to those football days. Uh, I knew the story before, but it, he pounded it home. We'd we'd had a game with Grand Celine, and uh, my junior year, and we should have won the game, but we got to infighting and mm-hmm. pointing fingers, and we fell apart, and we got beat, and uh, we got back in the locker room, and. Uh, uh, Coach Newby pretty much told that story. He said, you know, there was a man, and uh, they brought this woman, and they said the law of Moses said stoner. And, and uh, of course, I mean, we know the story of Jesus. He he just kept fiddling with his finger in the sand, and and uh, it went on and on and on. And finally they pressed him to say something, and all, he, all Jesus said was, you know, whoever among you is without sin, throw the first stone. And, uh, and then – the lady was, what do I do? And he said, Go and sin no more. You know, and who did Jesus hang out with? You know, he didn't hang out with the, the Pharisees, the, the elite, the the judgmental people. He hung out with the sinners. You know, the, the apostles. Uh, you know, Paul was, he was killing Christians. You know, mm-hmm. Peter was. Uh, they were fishermen. They were crusty old dudes. You know, Matthew was a tax collector, uh, and. They, those were basically extortionists back in those days. I love the story of Matthew because when they called Matthew, he was sitting at his own table. And uh, they say most tax collectors didn't sit at their own table. They hired people to do that, and they paid them a little money. They say if if he was audacious enough to sit at his own table, that just meant he wanted all the money. And uh, so it, the implication is Matthew was a, he was a pretty rough dude himself, you know. Mm-hmm. But... Those are the people Jesus called. I, I think if Jesus came today, uh, you know, and just hung out among us, uh, I think a lot of the church would be surprised at who he hang who he hung out with. <laughs> I don't think he would be hanging out with uh, all the church people. Uh, he's going to be hanging out with sinners, and uh, uh, but yeah, just and it's back to that same thing. Back to empathy. Can we uh, we we're not dealing with the specks in our own eyes we're 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 trying to get the specks out of other people's eyes and we don't turn it towards ourselves who was your favorite teacher that you had oh goodness that's a of course i loved max uh mm-hmm. i had max callahan for sixth grade social studies then and uh to this day i know more about the egyptians and the 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 wars the peloponnesian wars and uh from sixth grade science than or sixth grade social studies than I learned in college world history, you know. Uh, I loved Max. Of course, I loved biology, and I had Mike Jordan in mm-hmm. high school biology, and uh, that that just 
turned on a passion for science with me. You know, I wasn't crazy about English, mm-hmm. but I did like Miss Nixon. I, I, well, you know, that's all, we always say that the same way. I appreciated what Miss Nixon did for me uh, because the same way college English, that was a breeze yeah. <laughs> because I was ready for that. You know, uh, I had a teacher at a, it's like high school teachers and below, they really care about you because they see you at Brookshire's. Yes. They run they run into you at Pizza Hut or whatever, and they know your parents. When you get to college, the teachers really don't care. They don't care if you show up to class or not. Yes. So, like, that is another growth state. Anyway, I don't know why I got on that. But. Well, and as a principal all those years, you know, the the best thing, I mean, just relationships with kids, but I got to see – so many good teachers and you know i couldn't i mean i'd, I'd leave people out if i mm-hmm. rattle off but but you know i got to see the elaine wallings and evan La- evan La- evelyn addises of this world teach Addison. and uh beverly allen in canton we were contemporary mm-hmm. we taught together but uh watching her as a science teacher made me a better science teacher you know yeah uh, she made me watch those sex movies uh, <laughs> <laughs> in junior high <laughs> but uh but it's you know of course which, as it, which needed to be saw i needed to see that because i had a, I, what i thought was going on was not necessarily what was actually going on so thank you miss allen but you mentioned louis <laughs> you mentioned mr young earlier yeah oh my you know mr young is a he's an all-time treasure uh, loved his class and just the things he would and he gave you that passion for reading and looking it up yourself you know seeking you find that in the dictionary yeah. you know? don't you know that he experienced racism yeah. oh my i can't even imagine I, I would love to have that conversation with him yeah. and he would have it it's just right should sit down and have it uh but uh anyway but you just an amazing role model but you know so many good so many good people I mean, those are some of my those are some of my favorites. One of my favorite teachers uh, in college was Steve and Ruth from Texas. There's actually a picture of him at Manzant Coffee Roastery, you know, in BDUs. But uh, he was a major and um, short black guy. He was the first cap. Whoever the first captain is at Texas A&M, the leading cadet, we call it the first captain at West Point. But he was the guy in charge whenever he was a cadet at uh, A&M. He went to A&M. So he was a, one of my inst- leadership instructors at West Point, and he used to, he was really motivated. He's, he was just ripped, and he was loud, and he'd jump, flat-footed, just jump on top of the desk. And, you know, he just made, he really made you motivated to learn and, and stuff like that. And um, I actually got to serve with him. He was in the same brigade that I went to Afghanistan with, and he's still in. Um, the other day he sent me a video. He was deadlifting something. He's a full bird colonel now. He was deadlifting, and he sent sent it to me and commented because uh, <laughs> he was impressed that one time I ran a marathon just to get a free weekend away from West Point, <laughs> that's the, and that started my whole running career. Yeah. Like I never ran anything that I didn't have to until I was so miserable my freshman year. They were like, "Who wants to go to Washington D.C. and run the Marine Corps marathon?" You get, to get, you get a free weekend away. <laughs> I was like, I'll do it, <laughs> and I did it. Uh, <laughs> but I told, uh, you know, I told him. He's like, no training, really, no training. I was like, yeah, no training, just did it. Why well, you can't do it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, thankful for him and people like you. 
um, another memory of you, the Great Rock Shootout. At the, <laughs> in the, we were in the, uh, they had some temporary buildings outside, and that's where your classroom was. It was kind of new stuff, so it was nice. It had a bigger desk, but we had the Great Rock Shootout, and it was geology. Um, I don't sure what class it was. It was earth science. Earth science, and we had, sometimes I'll throw out obsidian. It's, <laughs> 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 you know, sand, limestone, sandstone, obsidian. And it's a black, shiny uh, rock that, was, anyway, that was my go-to. But I remember, and this is just one thing, Emily Stafford, a uh, friend of mine, uh, sitting across, shot by hay from her granddad, who just recently passed away, but Eric, uh, her brother, I buy hay from him currently, and I think you said obsidian, and I reached out and grabbed it, pulled it back in, and I think that was all I needed to beat her, and I celebrated, and then she just took her hand and slapped me across the <laughs> face, and I fell, <laughs> I fell on the ground, <laughs> and I'd never been slapped that hard, and I remember that, ne- never forget it, and, it's, and I guess it's kind of like licks in, in, high, in school, you know, like you mess up. It was rude as hell what I did, <laughs> and I paid for it with with pain. And you know, in school, the licks, man, they, they work. Oh, and kid, <laughs> if you get kids, com- yeah, and not all kids are competitive. Some yeah. kids, some kids will just let the other person win. But when you can turn something in school into a competition, and you get competitive kids, man, they'll go after it. You know, to get a ring pop or anything you know just just to win yeah. but uh and you remember those things you know any and it's it's true in our lives anytime there's something associated with an emotion uh you're going to remember it and if it's an emotion of winning or it's funny or uh-huh. uh and of course hurtful things we we remember those forever unfortunately but uh but that's you know those it's a great teaching tool because we get into it and you know we remember that stuff and it's fun too you know and because you know what, I, I doubt if uh, identifying rocks has played a major role in your life, uh, but <laughs> but the experience does. Yeah, well, of, of learning about it and learning about it, and and it has helped me, uh, perhaps on a wheel of fortune or something. Um, <laughs> and I think at one time I saw a, an arrowhead somewhere that was made from obsidian and i remember i knew it was like that's an obsidian and like, yes, it's obsidian and uh so <laughs> you know if i was in oil and gas it probably would have helped me um but anyway i really enjoyed it um well what are, what's the it's a hard time right now with with the coronavirus and <clears throat> schools are a lot of kids are homesick a lot of kids are you know we had went through the whole at home learning thing what advice do you have for parents with children in school to to navigate all this? Just <laughs> patience. Uh, I I think people, even schools and nationwide, I think everybody's panicking, thinking our kids are getting so far behind, uh, they're missing out on so many things, and and there's no doubt they're not learning every piece of textbook material that maybe they learn but i just i just don't see that as a big issue uh now certain skills math skills kids in high school that need to you know they want to go on into engineering their their algebra skills need to be solid their geometry going on into calculus you know those things have to build uh but 
I think just everybody relax and realize we're all going through the same thing. Yes, we may be going a little slower, but but everybody's going slower. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be okay, and it, it's going to pass. Uh, just I think so many people are fighting so hard to how can we catch up? How can we make up for this? Everybody will catch up, you know. I've, I've having the having the privilege to work with kids of all ages. I mean, I was an elementary principal, pre-K to second grade. I've worked with junior high. I've worked with high school. And, you know, a lot of times we get so concerned about that second grader that he's just not he's just not learning as fast as we need to. He's not just he's maybe he needs to repeat the grade. But you watch those kids over time when when you end up seeing them in junior high and high school, they all find their level, you know. Now sometimes and there we definitely need interventions in education, but uh kids will be okay. They will find their water finds its level, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think I think our kids they need support and encouragement right now more than they need anything. More than I mean, kids this year you know, and I have mostly, I have freshmen and sophomores and I have a few seniors, but I've never seen kids so vulnerable and open. But in one way, that's a positive thing because we can talk about a lot of issues honestly that previous years, there was too much pride and bravado to ever get to those sensitive things. But, uh, you know, I'll weekly, uh, I'll have kids just hanging their head and, you know, I'm patting them on the shoulder and saying, hey, what's what's the matter? Just Mr. Oakley, all this stuff, the masks, and this is, it's always going to be this way, isn't it? It's This is the way things are always going to be from now on. I'm like, no, they're not going to be this way. This is a, this is a moment in time, and uh, you're going to learn from having to go through it. And it's it's no fun, but it is gonna pass. That that's probably the line I've said more than anything this year is this will pass. It will be okay. Uh but kids are you know, they're they're down, they're hurting, they're they're worried. And uh you know, I kinda see it, earlier we talked about what was going on in nineteen eighty three and uh you know, that's tensions were high with the Soviet Union when I was in high school. I remember the movie, I think it was the day after, mm-hmm. it was a TV movie about nuclear uh, weapons. And, I mean, we we thought, I remember being scared as a kid thinking there there will be a nuclear war before I'm 30 years old, you know. It, it may be the end of things, uh, but it may change life. But I remember true fear of the future because of all that. Well, it changed. We got through it. We don't deal with that anymore. I I see those same kind of things in kids now. They're they're worried. They're scared. They're afraid this is our future from now on. You know of things like this. And you know I tell them it's not. We we will get through this. And so I think I just think kids need support and encouragement. And again, if you wanna if you wanna make sure your kid is good academically. It's back to what we talked about. Have them read. Get a book. I don't care if it's a little kid's book, if it's a funny book, if it's a comic book, if it's a history book, if it's Moby Dick, if it's a classic. Challenge yourself and read something. If it's Harry Potter, read something. Let it take your mind some other place. Create something. Learn something. 
I, I, we were talking before we started, uh, you know, I've had to, I've had to do a lot of things for my own mental stability. Mm-hmm. I can't watch the news. I can, I can watch the weather and, yeah. uh, but, and I, I like to get highlights of what's going on with the news, but I don't want an overdose of that. But, uh, I'm fairly musical. I'm not a great musician in anything, but I can play the piano a little bit. I've always wanted to play the guitar and, uh, Trey has a guitar at home and, and, uh, I, I, from a kid at school that plays the guitar, Ryan Powers. I'll shout out to Ryan here. Uh, Ryan's a great player. He's Dirty Bynum, their band. Uh, go, yeah. go follow him on Spotify, Spotify if you're listening to this. Apple Music, uh, I think. But uh, I've heard it. But Ryan gave me just a few little tips from some YouTube videos. And, and the last, it's been about a month, and I've been learning to play the guitar. And I can play eight chords, and I can transition a few of them. And That's all you need. I'm like, I can... I can play the, I could just about play a song, but I mean, I'm 55 years old, but learning something new, it just enriches you and Mm -hmm. it, and so anything like that, you know, it doesn't have to be English and, uh, you know, go out and build something. Uh, my daughter, Samantha and I are wired so much alike and, and she's in pharmacy school and she's just gotten married. And of course she married such a great guy and they're, they're getting their life started, but it's scary at those times. And, and uh, but she finds creative outlets for things. You know, she's she she's handy. She she got a lot of her granddad, mm-hmm. uh, and she's been refinishing furniture and buying it. But just finding something creative to do is a big deal. You know, write a write a song, write a poem, build something, plant something. Those things are so enriching to us. Start a podcast, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's always dangerous when I spend time with you because I see things you're doing and I'm like, man, I ought to do cuz yeah. not the exact same thing, but it's like I ought to do that in my field, yeah. in, in my areas cuz I like it. And, and of course, you know, our we've reconnected here in life through CrossFit and mm-hmm. fitness. But fitness has done the same thing. It's not just it's not just working out, but it's learning more about my fitness and what yeah. I can do. And your body, how your yeah. body works. And like right now, I mean, I went through, you know, a stretch. You know, I think it was October of 2017 when I called you. And I was in such bad physical condition. I mean, I felt bad. I had no energy. And, and I got to doing CrossFit. And, man, did so much for my self-esteem. And now COVID has, about a year yeah. ago, I was probably in the best shape I've ever been in in my life. Mm-hmm. And COVID has just killed that. And I say COVID. I could have done a lot about that, but it's been hard. Yeah. Did you – sorry, did you get COVID? No, I, I have not had it. Uh, not that you've known, right? You don't know if you've had it or not. Or do you know that, that you've not had it? Well, I mean, we, we've both – Becky and I both had a couple of spells with some respiratory stuff mm-hmm. that could have been covid uh, it was very mild if it was COVID. You yeah. know, it definitely didn't get a major case. I mean, I know I've been exposed many times because yeah. even my family, uh, now Trey has had it. My mother's had it. My sister, my, uh, but. Well, yeah. And I hope, hope you, hope you've already had it and got through it or, or whatever. But the work that you did up until could have saved you It or it, it could, it def- you're definitely in a better position to weather a sickness. Exactly. Well, and, and, you know, like I said, that year ago, I was in the best shape I've probably ever been in, my weight, everything. 
But in here, a year later, and I, I haven't, it's not like I haven't worked out and I haven't tried to work on my diet, but because of what I've learned about my body, I've, I've gained some weight and I'd like to lose it, but I still, I feel so much better than I did before I started. Mm -hmm. I'm stronger. I can go out and I, I could go out and slug through running a few miles. They would be really slow. But you could do it. My yeah. strength hasn't changed a lot. I can, mm -hmm. I can move weight. I can squat. My mobility is so much different. But anyway, it's back to that. It's, I really didn't mean to turn it to fitness, but it's about learning, learning all those things about my body and understanding. It, just learning new things just mm -hmm. enriches us. So during this COVID time, you know, yes, try to keep up with those studies and do your biology homework and do your math homework, but learn something else, you know, and, and some social media stuff's fine. Some kids are amazingly creative on TikTok and mm -hmm. some things like that, but don't get obsessed with that either. You know, go out and get your hands dirty and uh, raise an animal and, you know, just, just experience life, you know, walk mm -hmm. around in nature, plant something that you learn more from those kinds of things than uh, they enrich you and, or get a job, you know, learn how to get along with people. But uh, just there's, there's so much learning beyond school, you know? Uh, okay. We're at, we're at the time now. 10 questions. You ready? Sure. What is your favorite song? Oh my, there's so many. Uh, Give me one of them. The, the, one of the top ones. You know, the first one that popped in my head just because I like it the way it sounds. I'm about lyrics and message, and mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of that real meaningful song to me. But the first song that popped in my head was Desperado. Yeah. Uh, just because I, the Eagles. I love the Eagles, and I just love the way it sounds. And, you know, I, you know so that, that's my Clint, first answer. Clint Black's version was pretty good. Yeah. But they, but it, you know, I it's mean, not the same. It's not as good. It's not, Don Henley, he just. Uh, Texas boy, he's a... Uh, Remember Miss Severe, Joyce Severe? Yeah, yeah. She went to high school with Don. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. In Linden, Texas. She, her and my mom are like best friends. So. That's cool. Uh, if you, your final meal, you're on death, you're on death row, and then you get one meal before you go to the electric chair, what are you asking for? A, a, a big, old, thick, greasy cheeseburger <laughs> i love a cheeseburger is my i like all kinds of food but my favorite food is just a good i've gotten to where lately i, I mean i like them thin and i like them thick but but i like a good little bit red well pretty red and juicy so, in the middle so you order a medium hamburger is that right yeah or medium rare medium even. rare yeah or right. of course i usually cook them but uh but yeah a good old greasy Cheeseburger. Right. Where do you get? I mean, if right, you're cooking hamburgers tonight, where are you going to get all this stuff at? I mean, where do you get your meat, and do you just get it at, at Brookshire? Yeah, I usually do. Uh, you know, I've, with my cows and stuff, I'd like to get set up. And of course, now we've, we've got so many people around raising mm -hmm. their own. I'd I, I'd like to get those connections and buy some of those. Uh, but I just get it at the grocery store. Do you do you get the patties already made into patties? Sometimes I do. Uh, just because it's easier when you're putting it together yeah. in the evening. Do you ever combine them? Yeah, always. <laughs> always? So, like, two of those. <laughs> yeah, two of those. <laughs> now, my wife yeah. doesn't, she doesn't like it that thick. What kind of seasoning do you put on there before you? Uh, right now, I'm in a I'm in an Earl Campbell's seasoning <laughs> mode that Earl makes some little 
powder combination of stuff. I don't know what all Earl puts in there, but uh, it's some. It's just Earl Campbell's. Seed. I put that like that Frank's hot sauce. You know, yeah. I, I don't use that word that those people use about they put that stuff on everything. Yeah. But uh, with Earl Campbell's lately, I pretty much put that on everything <laughs> when I'm cooking up my my meal prep when yeah. getting my protein for the week and grilling up chicken breasts or chicken thighs or I put I put that Earl Campbell's on everything you know well, and from all I can tell it's it's I've tried to make it clean it's it's mm-hmm. just spices and stuff yeah. there's no sugar there's no other stuff in there yeah if it's just salt and different type of peppers and spices it's good yeah that's and I, I like it so so is, so is that mustard on there too no mayo and pickles mayo and pickles. I'm, I'm a mayo and pickles guy Mm-hmm. I, I used to eat lettuce, but you know, getting old, you know, I've learned I can nothing's slowing me down strength-wise. I can, yeah. I've got all kinds of goals of things I still want to accomplish, but uh, my insides keep changing, and mm-hmm. lettuce just disagrees with me. Really, and I just can't hardly eat lettuce anymore. At least iceberg lettuce. No, yeah. some of the others I can eat that, but uh, but just pickles and mayo. Now I'll put it. I like I like a barbecue burger yeah. and chili and all the most unhealthy uh, right. gross things we can imagine but Jala- i love jalapenos and man they do not agree with me though the next day i pay for it <laughs> <laughs> uh all right let's move on <clears throat> well before we move on what's the favorite restaurant locally that you like the hamburger where's the best hamburger locally uh, you know they're not just one uh, you know it's a chain but i always like chili's hamburgers i like a good dairy palace hamburger uh, I like an Easley's hamburger. Uh, now the what's your favorite thing to order at the Dairy Palace? If you go into Dairy Palace right now, probably catfish. <laughs> I haven't had it in forever. <laughs> I may not have had it since I started CrossFit yeah, yeah. even, but but I just because it's just you got a good catfish. It's just it is. It's good. It's 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 always there's nothing bad on the menu at Dairy Palace. Uh, but I, yeah, I get lots of th- I'll get a hamburger right in there. Their sodas are great, you know. And, uh, I, I, I try Don't, not to. Yeah, we'll, we'll edit that out. Yeah, we can't. <clears throat> so, but if if I want a treat, I don't drink many sodas at all anymore. But if I just want a treat, a mm-hmm. Dairy Queen Coke, a Dairy Palace Coke, yeah, is a their, tastes the, different. Their yeah. mix is just a little bit different. But I hadn't had one in forever. I shouldn't have talked about it. Now I yeah. go, won't now I want yeah. one. Favorite movie? Oh gosh, so many hard questions. Uh, this is a Sam Dean podcast. I'm this telling is not you, easy. These man. are the tough questions. Uh, you know, it, for for years, I would my go to was always Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love Indiana Jones. It's a safe, safe uh, it's a safe answer uh, there. But uh, I really like Return of the King. I like all the Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm-hmm. but I really like the last one, the Return of the King. Uh, that's an awesome movie. Uh, now I love all the Avenger movies, and mm-hmm. I just Return uh, of the King. Yeah, but I, I that that's probably my. What about TV shows? Oh, I, <laughs> if I didn't say this, my family would uh, they would curse me. But uh, The Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. far and away, I'm 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 just I watch it every night. It's yeah. and I watch the same episode. It's like watching Mash back in the day. I've watched yeah. Mash episodes I don't know how many times, but I love The Big Bang Theory. It just, and I like it because you were probably one of the first people to tell me about Big Bang Theory, but you know the, the theory. But um. well, and the thing, the thing I like about the show mm-hmm. is every—I don't care how many times I watch it—it it will make me belly laugh. Yeah, two or three times, 
And that's why I watch it, because I need things that just make me belly laugh at least a few times a day. Because if we can't laugh every day, we're, we're doing something wrong. What's your favorite car or truck that you've ever had? You know, honestly, it's probably my old white 2002 Chevy farm truck that I drive right now. Uh, it just, it it still looks all right. But the fact that it's a, you know, to me right now, it's cool because it's a farm truck. And mm-hmm. that's just where I am in life. And like, I like that I've got a messy, junky farm truck. But it's uh it's tight it, it's the old they call it cat eye because it's got those cat eye mm-hmm. uh but i love that truck uh and uh, i would say it's probably my favorite truck that i've ever had right now and i had a really slick 1977 short wheelbase red Krager mags uh truck when i was in high school and uh but my old my old chevy right now is my favorite one i got to drive it the Chevy and backed it when you had the trailer on when one of the cows got out. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> it's a good story. It was Pat Hooper, me and you. Um, Dan and was out here. Dan came out there. A couple of my hunters that were supposed to be hunting helped me. <laughs> <laughs> but one of our cows got out and we actually trapped him in an abandoned house across the street. And I, I pulled Truman's cattle trailer to the front door and him and Pat got somehow got the cow in the in the house and then scared it through the door into the trailer. <laughs> yes, that was that awesome. was the the besides the recent thing that I did with George Berg, that was the my biggest cowboy experience where I felt like I was legit. <laughs> we trapped him in the house and got him in a trailer like out of broad air, you know. Yes, that was a everybody thought it wasn't gonna happen and it happened. We made it happen. That's right. <laughs> the other day George Berg who's a mentor of mine. He's a crossfitter in Canton, but he, he sold me most of my registered Angus. His wife, he was over here messing with me, and his wife called and, and said, we have a cow down, come quick. And one of his Angus was on the ground, legs and arms fully extended, hollering and banging its head on the ground, and it it, it had filled up with air. Huge, I mean, it was triple the size normal. Yeah. It was a pregnant cow too, but... Apparently she had gotten down, couldn't get up, and her organs were, you know, compressed, mm. and she was filling up with air, and she was about to die, like it was bad. And <laughs> his wife Lenora is a PA, and I oh God, I wish I had a video of this, but um, he had a strap, and he he had his tractor, he was trying to roll her over, and you know, trying to get her up, and couldn't, and she had kicked him, and he was a bit on the ground, and George's in his 70s and um he's been on the podcast but um i was like we got to stick this cow and get this air out of this cow and uh lenore's like where do we do you know i was like no where do we do it you know <laughs> she's like uh yeah, right here i don't know so i had my pocket knife and uh, george's like no i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it and he goes i'm gonna go to scalpel and he goes to the house and can't find one comes back just pulls out his buck knife and goes i'll do it with this one so <laughs> I get at that strap and I put it around the back legs and tighten it down. I'm like, I'm going to hold the legs just to give George maybe a second to get away once he gets close to it. Um, so he runs up and just stabs the cow. And it, <laughs> and the knife goes boing and bounces right back. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, you know, it's not a good angle. We're going to have to get in there a little deeper, you know, because the hide was tough. 
But then he just says one more time and goes, and it was like a balloon. It was, I mean, hot air balloon, just air coming out. And, of course, it was some nasty stuff coming out, too, but mainly air. And he sat on the cow and and got a little more out and got a little more out. But the cow was, you can just tell, instant relief. And, you know, I'm sure that was on its lungs, too. You know, it was a lot of pressure. And in the Army, we have a needle decompression. uh, If you get, you know, a sucking chest wound, uh, Mm -hmm. that's a whole thing. But we then, I was like, well, we can get the strap around the bottom legs. And I was like, let's just run like hell. And, <laughs> and I'm going to give it give it everything. George, pull as hard as you can. We did it the first time. didn't work. We did it the second time. And we rolled the cow from from the right side over to the left side. And she stood up immediately. Yeah. So what, now I'm feeling like a veterinarian. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like Doc McStuffins or something, you know. And then the cow had a little a stab wound, obviously. <laughs> but then started eating. And of course, she was completely worn out. And I was able to. George got the vet out there, Amanda Davis. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember her new name. Amanda Davis, her married name. But um, got the cow over there, and she checked him out. And apparently she's eating now and going to make it. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, that was another experience um, that was crazy. Because I've only been ranching about a year now, you know, Um and it's been it's been an adventure for yeah, sure. Yeah, they the cows will they'll teach you. In fact, that same thing you learn something. Yeah. Just they cause problems. You got to solve it. it. It's good for you. Just new things. Well, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, thank you. And it's not the last time you're going to be back. Hey, um, we've always got plenty to talk about. Got plenty <laughs> to talk about. I enjoy spending time with you. Appreciate it, Truman Oakley. Um, want to thank our sponsors, Alicia Munden and Justin Munden with Dash Health and Wellness. Find them on social media. They specialize in weight loss and weight loss coaching. And, of course, Van Zant Coffee. Uh, if you don't know, we got a new roast out called Durango. It's from Mexico. First time we've ever had a bean from Mexico. And it's damn good. It's one of our lightest roasts we've ever had, too. So it's loaded with caffeine. Uh, try it. Buy it on VanZantCoffee.com. Thank you guys. Good night.